Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Huntington, and in this episode, I have a pretty cool success story. Ariel, I think I got her name right. We were practicing this beforehand, but I, I get nervous sometimes. But she recently hit $1,100 per month in December of 2021, and we're going to kind of be focusing on her her success. She kind of has a portfolio of sites, but we're going to kind of hone in on one specific site that she has and generally just get to know her a little bit better. So, Arielle, how are you today? I'm great, thank you, Doug. How are you? I'm doing good. It. Um, I always talk about the weather and we're bracing for a big snowstorm. I think we're supposed to get 5 to 11 inches, so about a foot of snow. And it's going to be cold. It's going to be very cold here, so... <laughs> We're we're kind of we're kind of excited about that. What's what's the weather like where you're at? Um, in the UK, the weather is always pretty grey, but um, it was quite sunny today. Still cold, but sunny, so it's okay. Nice. So we want to hear your story. Can you tell us what you do for a job or what your you know working background? was or any, anything you want to share just to lay the context and then we'll back into how you got started with affiliate marketing and niche sites. Okay, well, um, I'm an author. I'm a self-published author. So I've been doing that for a few years now. Um, I've not really had um, a career per se. I've been doing online stuff, eBay. Um, I had an e-commerce site a while back, um, which I drove traffic to from Instagram And um, that got shut down, Instagram (laughs) shut that down, which was a main source of income for me. And then I just went full time with um, writing books and I've been doing that since and then found niche sites. Okay. How long have you been writing? Um, About three years now. Three years, yeah. All right. And your story probably mirrors a lot of people where you tried one business model and then another one, and then you worked on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you hit a couple hurdles and maybe didn't like reach the success that you thought you might. What keeps you going and why do you keep trying new stuff? Um, I think that's just me. I've, I've got a very entrepreneurial spirit. Um, we spoke before and I told you when I was in school, I was the kid that was buying um, sweets and and crisps and selling those for a profit. Um, I got into eBay when I was around 16 and I kind of took that same model of um, buying from China and selling and I kept doing that for years. Um, So I'm not new to the internet and making money online. So, you know, it's just a natural progression of moving over into different, finding different ways to make money online and I just like that freedom that comes with it. So yeah, I'm always going to do internet stuff. Have you noticed that the skills from the previous projects are helpful for what you're working on now? And and just as you are stair-stepping up to, you know, higher levels of revenue and that sort of thing? Yeah, a hundred percent. As I mentioned before, um, I had a site before I started on Moonfruit. So (laughs) I wasn't familiar with WordPress. Um, but understanding, um, registering domains and learning about keyword research, all of these things were, I already had some sort of, you know, background in, um, and also designing, designing parts of the website, all of those things 
uh, they weren't new to me and they were quite transferable. So finding niche sites, I wasn't completely blind. So, yeah. Perfect. And before we, you know, learn more about your journey with the niche sites, with your self-publishing business, like, is that going pretty well? I mean, you can earn residually and I know it's been a hot market for a few years. So does that, does that still work out for you? Yeah. Self-publishing is great without doing anything. As you said, it's, it's intellectual property. So as soon as I put out a new book that stays there, that's forever. I'm making money every month from that. So self-publishing has really, you know, that, yeah, that pays me every month. So it's very lucrative for me. Very cool. All right. So how did you get into the, the niche site area? What, what pulled you over? Obviously you've had some success with the self-publishing. So what, what pulled you in and how did you get started with it? Um, my sister also makes sites and she found, she came across um, income school and she sent me um, the video. She sent me the, the channel and I just went down the rabbit hole and I knew that it was something I was going to do. Um, I was prepared to, I knew it was going to take a lot of work up front, but I was prepared. And as I said, I came across um, your channel, loads of other channels, and I just kept watching, <laughs> scrolling all the way down to the old videos and um, just really getting clued up on the whole thing. And I started straight away, pretty much. Very cool. So when we talked, you mentioned that you have like seven sites. And I think you knew coming in that I was going to tell you, you gotta, you gotta focus up a little bit. So can you tell us about the, the seven sites sort of in a general sense, you don't have to talk about each one or the specifics of traffic or revenue, but just as a baseline to get us started, can you tell us maybe like the December uh, top line revenue and then just in general, like what's going on with the sites? And then I'll, I'll keep probing into each one of those. Okay. So, um, yeah, so each of the sites, I, I didn't start them all at once, but as I learned more about niche sites and keyword research and all of that stuff, I, I started realizing that the first site I'd chosen wasn't the best to focus all my time on. And then I started another site. And I think as I learned more, I yeah, just started new sites and started testing things out. Um, but in December, the second site in the portfolio um, has earned quite a bit of the um the thousand I think is a, a thousand um one hundred eleven hundred dollars um and quite a bit of that is from site two uh and yeah and that was with with my basic keyword research with Google was it Google Alphabet Soup or other figure that's what it's called sure um, yeah okay and then did you make any like big mistakes along the way? You mentioned, you know, your basic keyword research when you were on site number two and now you're on site number seven. So any sort of classic mistakes or blunders along the way? Um, I don't think I made, um, I think my knowledge of keyword research wasn't up to, up to par at the time. So I probably could have done more with topic clusters and stuff like that. I, I kind of bounced around different topics. And then when I made site three, um, I was going off of old information and I actually done a, not WooCommerce, sorry, um, WZone, WooZone. I done a WooZone store 
And um, that was kind of outdated information. So I had to go back and I took that store off and just focused on product articles. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the only real thing. I've just kind of learned as, as time has gone on, but no real huge mistakes. How are you monetizing the sites? Um, they're all on Ezoic um, and Amazon, Amazon, ad, um, Amazon affiliate pro- products, Ezoic, and then they all have different if, smaller affiliate programs within their niche. So, Was that something that you look for specifically to have like additional affiliate programs to draw from? Um, yeah, I went, I went looking for them after. Oh, sorry. And they're also, they've also got digital products because I am, I do self-publishing. So I find there's, there's ways that you can make digital products and link them to the sites as well. So digital products, um, Amazon affiliates and ads. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I found um, programs after making the sites. And since site two earned the most in December, what was the revenue breakdown for your revenue sources from Ezoic about a third of that was from um, display ads um, and then digital products made about $125 and then other affiliates so share a sale a win those ones they made about $480 and then about $70 from Amazon affiliates so it's, it's all okay. really divided yeah that's a nice that is a nice spread overall. So a little surprising. A lot of times it ends up being, you know, pretty focused in just, you know, one, one area because that's where it's getting a lot of the traffic. Okay. That's pretty cool. Now with the keyword research, I want to talk about like how you're doing it now and what you're looking for these days. So like you mentioned, things have changed. Like you were doing kind of basic stuff at the beginning so where have you arrived at now? How are you doing keyword research? Okay, so from after site two, so from site three onwards, um, I started doing the KGR. So I was doing alphabet soup and KGR, but I was using keywords everywhere and um, keyword, it's called keyword sheeter now, but I was using those together and then you know checking them against your calculator to see if they were KGR. And, um, and then just doing loads of KGR terms. Okay. And for the people that don't know the alphabet soup, can you describe it? Yeah. So you take um, a seed keyword, I guess, and you, you put an asterisk there, or you just start typing in, in the Google search and it will fill it out for you. And then you take that and yeah, make an article based on it. So the theory is that if Google, Google wouldn't suggest it if people weren't searching for it. Yep. And for the the people that are familiar with just using Google autocomplete, like that, that's what it is. Just use autocomplete in a systematic way. They call it alphabet soup because you go through the alphabet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and you could do that for like YouTube or other search engines, anything with an auto suggest feature, you could basically do that. So kind of a cool way to to get started. And then you end up with a ton of keywords, but you could also look at the related searches or people also ask that come up when you do each one of those individual searches. So it really explodes into a lot of keywords, but it's just autocomplete. Somebody just called it alphabet soup. 
Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Otis.Global. That's O-D-Y-S. They're the source for aged premium domains, and it's a great way to jumpstart your new website. Or if you already have a site out there, you can potentially snag a domain that has some strong backlinks and integrate it into your site. Featured domain for today is fictionteachers.com. This is a pretty cool website. It's targeted at uh, teachers and educators and that sort of thing. When you check out on the Wayback Machine, you can see they've listed like teachers discounts. They've talked about classroom theater, fiction, teachers in general, and just getting kids interested in learning. I think there could be a pretty interesting opportunity with a lot more homeschooling due to the pandemic and well, just changes in the world, of course. This particular domain is 23 years old. It was established back in 1999. And if you do look at the Wayback Machine, you see that it looks like a pretty old website. They did update it a little bit. And some of the metrics out there, there are uh, the domain rating is 18, is reported by Hrefs. There are 201 referring domains and is still indexed in Google. So if you wanted to start a site and target all informational content at first, this would probably be a really good one to do that on. Just think about all the books that you can cover and just as a starting point, And then, of course, there's other affiliate products that you could potentially offer. And I think there's also a spot in here where you could publish content that sort of targets tutors or helps people find tutors for themselves or for their kids or whatever. So a lot of options for this particular domain, fictionteachers.com. Thanks again to Otis. If you join using my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account and I can earn a commission, which I greatly appreciate. Let's get back to the show. Back on track, you have the writing back background. So do you write a lot of the content on your sites? Uh, how has it shifted over time? Yeah, so I started off writing quite a bit of it. Um, and then as I started to scale up and I had all these sites and I wanted to keep publishing across all the sites, I started hiring writers on Upwork. Um, so yeah, so I've been hiring, I, I do, um, the, out the template and I'll give them the template and, um, I still do the keyword research and check the SERPs and, you know, make sure that they write based on my outline. Um, but I do still write, I write the posts that I'm interested in writing pretty much. Got and, it. Yeah. Outsource the others. As a writer, have you found it to be helpful with your background as a writer when you're hiring them or do you, or is it tougher because you're maybe holding them to higher standards? So how, how has it been working with freelancers? Um, no, it's, it's, it's not been, I'm not too much of a perfectionist when it comes to getting their work back. Cause I'm aware I'm paying, um, I'm not paying as you know, I'm not paying a, a really high, amount per thousand words so I'm not going to get the best you know the best quality writers um but I'm okay with um working on an article so I get it back run it through Grammarly and then if anything stands out to me that's just not worded properly one I won't keep working with that writer um but two I can just always edit it myself and it won't it won't be too much trouble how much are you paying per 
thousand words or whatever metric you're using? I've paid um, anything from a dollar per hundred words to two dollars per hundred words. So happy medium is a dollar fifty per okay. hundred words. Yeah. All right. And how many writers do you have working with you right now? Um, seven, seven at the moment. Yeah, seven. At, they they do come and go, but I've got, I think, four of them are solid, and I, I hope to keep them on. And as I earn more, be able to pay them more and keep them around. Um, others, they'll work for you for a bit, and then they kind of burn out or start sending things late, and then yeah, you just kind of <laughs> gotta let them go. Right. With your content and topics and the way you hire writers, is it important to get someone that's familiar with the the content in general and the topic, or can you just hire any old writer? I try to. Um, it depends on what the niche is. If it's if it's very um, technical, if it needs. Um, you know, if they need to be an expert in the field, I have the mo- my most, the $2 per hundred word writer that I had, um, she was an expert in, in the niche and um, she just wanted some side work. She'd been injured and she just wanted to do some, you know, some writing. And so I got some really, really good articles and I was able to put her author bio on the site and whatnot with her, you know, go back to her LinkedIn um, so sometimes it depends on the, uh, the, the niche, but I do, I give them enough information on the template for them to go and research and, you know, get a decent article out of them. And do you have like a pretty standard template for like product reviews and then maybe a couple other types or so how, I had I guess, them- how do you manage them? Yeah. Yeah, I had I had um, a few basic templates for, um, like you said, product reviews. Um, the responding to questions. You've I've got some of your templates as well. So the Q and A one I use a lot now. Um, the yeah product reviews one and what's another one and the listicles. So general templates um, with you know telling them that you know not to use too long paragraphs, so three three line paragraphs and things like that. Um, telling them how to link in the text and stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, more detailed based on the types of posts. Okay. Very good. Anything else content wise that I didn't ask you about that's important to your process? Um, are we, are we allowed to talk about AI writers? Cause I do use that as well. Sure. Yeah. I, I would love to talk about it. I got a couple <laughs> questions today about it. So yeah. Oh, really? the AI. How, how do you use them? What do you do? Um, so I, I actually made a video on this. I use, um, can I say the specific one? Or? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I use Jarvis or his name's Jasper now. Um, and I, basically I go through the SERP. So there's a, there's a few different tools that show you, um, set out the top 10 and the top 20. And then I'll get, um, grab some H2s of the, all the top results and I'll put that in Jarvis and it, that will help me outline the post and, um, and write, I think, I think I've wrote better posts than some of the, than, than some of the top, top 10 and 20 using that method. So that was clear. Yeah. And no, I'm going to ask a follow up cause I, I think I understand. So, 
basically you feed in like H2. So any particular section is only a few sentences long that you're using AI generated content. Yeah. So I'll help it along the way. I'll get the outline and then I'll, you know, give it some information and then it can go based on that. But I do still quite write quite a bit of it, but yeah, it it gathers a lot of information from the H2s. When you get the output, is it just a matter of editing so that it sounds more clear? Does it give you some completely 100% usable output? Maybe it writes 60% of it. You could fix it up a little bit and then you could add a sentence or two. Like, how helpful is it? (laughs) That's pretty much it. It it really is. I know you're not convinced, but it it really is helpful um, because, yeah, most of the time it does generate good text. It's it's not going to give you um, non-factual information if you feed it the right stuff. And I think what people tend to do is just click compose without giving it any direction. Um, And it's already, it's taken a lot of information. So it can go, if you leave it to, it will go wherever it wants to go. So yeah, give it enough information, um, put some facts ahead of it as well. You can put bullet points to give it some facts and it will go based on whatever you've given it. So you could give it some, basically a good outline and it could be, the outline could be driven by H2 or H3 tags from other successful well-ranking articles and you could feed it specific bullet points. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And and based on that, I can see how it can work. Now, let's say you have a pretty specific outline and you feed that as the input. How good is the content coming out? Would that just need a minor edit? Um, yeah, pre- pretty much. You'd, you'd, um, you'd want to put, like, for instance without going into too much details, I, I wrote a post about NFTs and um, it doesn't necessarily, I think the GPT-3, I think it was 2019 that it read the internet and whatnot. So it doesn't necessarily have the most up-to-date information on NFTs. So you'd give it the basics, um, what you want to talk about, the basics of it, and then you'd add your own voice to it. So I'm really good at the same way I would with my um my um, hired writers just going in and making it, you know, putting your own voice to it. And that's kind of what you have to do. So it doesn't sound like AI generated text. Okay. Yeah. This is very interesting. You know, this is probably the deepest conversation I've had with someone on how they were able to use it. Okay. So I have a better understanding on how usable the content is and what it might take to get good output. Yeah. So does it rank pretty well? Like, is this what you're using on this, the couple sites that are doing better than the others? Uh, <laughs> so um, I've used it on all of my sites. So all the articles that I write on my sites, I use, I do use AI. Um, and what I, what I was saying, somebody said something about um, Google deranking their um, AI generated posts. And I said, if, um, how would Google know that it's been written by AI if it shouldn't know if you've done a good enough job, if you've done all your on-page SEO, um, you've done your outlines, you know, then it, it wouldn't know that it's a, a AI generated post. So I've not had any, any issues or all, all of my, you know, I've not had any issues with any of my, my posts. They're all going, all going up. 
And up up until uh, 30 minutes ago, I probably would have said it's shitty and that's why Google knows. And <laughs> a person can write shitty content. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. take an AI writer. I've gotten back bad content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's why I said that as well, because some some writers I've had, um, their introductions and stuff, they're really bad. And I could I could actually take that into the AI tool and there's a feature called um, Content Improver. So you could actually take their um, introduction and um, click improve and it makes it a lot better. So yeah, I've had bad writers that AI writes better than. You're, you're making me think about, well, some projects that I could work on and potentially train writers, really writers just editors to, yeah. to use the tools effectively. I've yeah. definitely seen some poor implementations, but it sounds like if you use them right, you're in much better shape and we'll move on in a second. But <laughs> I, I get the question two times per week in the live streams, wow. basically. And wow. it's extremely boring for me to answer the same thing over and over again. Yeah. If you, if you actually see the live streams, you could, you could see, you could <laughs> see when the, the chat comes through in my face, you know, <laughs> but I, I believe most people that are thinking about the AI content, they're just lazy. And if they yeah. use it, it's not going to work. And that's why I'm pretty confident, like just making fun of it the whole time. So okay. <laughs> moving on from there and anything else about content, we went deep on AI, which I think we may be able to focus like a whole other show on. So maybe, maybe we, we definitely could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Now, we have been talking about uh, site number two quite a bit, and site number seven has, has been doing pretty well, too. So I think that one's about five months old, if, if I remember correctly. So can you tell us a little bit about site number seven? Yeah. So as you said, site number seven is uh, five months old. It has 200 articles on it at the moment. Um, and I just... I've done KGR with that and I just really front loaded the content. So I put up as much as I could. Um, I hired a few writers in the very beginning um, to just, and I got all my keywords together and yeah, just put up as much as I could and still doing that. Now I've slowed down a bit in December. Actually, when I spoke to you, I had 160 something and it's got 200 now. So I've not really slowed down, but um, just seeing if I should continue doing the articles in the fashion that I'm doing or, um, as I said before, segue in into a different topic underneath the same kind of, um, yeah, the same umbrella. What, what was the December revenue for site number seven? It made $11.91 on Ezoic and 60 eight dollars i think on amazon and then it made 28 dollars on digital products okay so i didn't do all the math in my head but that's a little over 100 bucks i think yeah just around, yeah around around 100 dollars yeah okay nice so it made about 100 bucks various sources it's five months old pretty nice trajectory and i think that it's an interesting niche i i know i know what it is but it is um, it's one that I didn't even know existed. So it's, it's always cool to hear about these. And I guess this is a good point to sort of uh segue. So Ariel and I are going to be 
working together on a coaching case study. So I was going to do one with another person who dropped out. And then this worked out really well. And we are going to kind of get started with it in a minor way today on, on this interview. So one thing that you alluded to was, you know, covering like a, a subtopic in there. So we'll, we'll sort of shift gears a little bit and we can kind of turn it into the coaching area. So you, do you want to lay out kind of what you were thinking and, and the question that you have? Yeah. So um, when I started the niche, I was, my aim was to just get in there and, and dominate that small niche. Um, but like you, I didn't know it was a thing um, until I looked into it. And then I learned that there was a parent topic that I could have covered um, and I would have been able to cover that and all the other things related to it. So now I'm wondering if it makes sense to do some connecting articles to those other topics and then, um, and then just go and cover those topics. The answer is go for it and see what happens. I, it's always hard to say exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's telling the future and no one can do that. So it's impossible to really know. The good part, even without me knowing what the, you know, the other adjacent topics are, basically you could probably put them in. And when we were chatting before the recording, what it comes down to is the audience. So we can think about how Google might react to it. But if you just think about what the audience is interested in, there's a great overlap. Like it will make total sense to cover those other topics because the same audience is interested in those topics. So even if Google doesn't like it, if your your visitors do, that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. they maybe can navigate over through uh, internal linking. Maybe there's a, a menu at the bottom and they think, oh, I, I'm interested in that. I haven't looked into it. Why don't I read some of those articles about it? So it makes perfect sense. Hopefully, you know, Google can figure it out and, and as they track our every move <laughs> for the people that use Chrome then Google will see that people actually are into those topics and they're spending time on those pages and they're actually navigating from, you know, related topics. So I think in the long run, it'll be fine. And it's so closely related that Google won't see it as uh, crazy and out of place on your site in general. So, so I would say go for it. And then it'll be something that we could talk about in future sessions. Yeah. If it works, yeah. If it works out or doesn't work out. So the other area that we talked about, and, and people are probably thinking this, we, we talked about site two and how it's earning uh, a pretty good amount of money, the majority. And yet we're talking about site seven and we've seen good growth. So where are you on that? We, we did have a preliminary call. And we kind of decided, hey, it looks like Site 7 does have a great opportunity. Maybe we should focus on that. But where are you at right now with another few weeks of information and data and thinking? Yeah, so um, since we last spoke, Site 2 is um, earnings are still going up. It's got um, the best EPMV out of all of my sites as well. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but it's, it's doing really well. Um, but the issue was I was at the time I was struggling to find keywords, um, for it and it doesn't really have many products to promote. So no, there's not going to be much Amazon, um, revenue. In fact, out of the 
thousand dollars it I think nine dollars or so was from Amazon from that so um I'm not sure I'm not sure if there are if I could use new methods and find more keywords for it but I think with how quick site seven is growing um and the opportunity to monetize it and there's, there's so many different ways to, to monetize this one so I feel like yeah just see how it goes and ride the wave right while it's going up right for site number two, are there, I, I know you were just mentioning keywords and like maybe you could find more. Is it one of those where it seems like there's kind of unlimited informational keywords or is it more limited? Um, unlimited informational keywords, but very competitive. This is a very, very competitive niche. So I could do, I could find the KGR keyword, well, not technically KGR because it would have it could have only 150 search volume, but then there's like a thousand or 2000 that show up with all in title. So yeah, as I was coming up with a lot of that at the time. Okay. And still sticking with site two, ignoring KGR, would you be able to find just obscure long tail keywords using auto suggest or people also ask? Um, yeah, I did, I did quite a bit of that. Um, when I initially, I did quite a bit of auto suggest people also ask, um, answer the public. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really competitive. There are lots of informational keywords, but very competitive. Okay. Very good. And I think, I mean, when it comes down to it, like it is kind of cool that site seven has grown quite a bit. And I think, Potentially, I mean, again, I'm not very familiar with the topic area. It seems like something that's becoming more popular. And have you, have, by the way, have you looked on Google Trends to see if that is the case? Yeah, it is. It's just becoming more popular. We, we spoke before briefly about some of the things that, that hopefully are coming up in the new year, which will make it even more popular. So not in the new year, sorry, in, in the future. So if that is the case, then the site will be in a good position when that happens, if that happens. Okay. And then, you know, similar to the question I asked about site two, does site seven have kind of those unlimited number of keyword, informational keywords specifically, or is it more limited? Um, it's, uh, it's hard to say really, because the, the keywords that I've been targeting, those, those are unlimited but then the whole site will be those type of keywords. And I kind of worry about only doing a specific type of keyword, um, a specific type of article. But, you know, at the same time, if it's working, keep doing it for now and, you know, and try and find other ones. But yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, like I keep saying, like, we don't know until we try it and it, it makes me think about uh, actually even just the AI content and the technique that you described where I could see that, you know, working on a large scale. And I, I have heard of like the AI generated content sites that have, that have huge amounts of content. It is very poor quality. It's clear that they're not editing it or fixing it up or using yeah. the tools like effectively. It's very efficient. They're publishing like crazy. And these sites are getting like, a million or two million visitors per month. I mean, it's pretty insane. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's working for some people, isn't it? Doing it that way. But um, 
I think they use API and um, and just auto-publish. I don't think they're actually doing any of it themselves, but it is interesting to see that Google is rewarding them for doing that, but some people's articles are being kicked out. <laughs> yeah. So one question that I, I want to ask that I forgot earlier is about link building. And have you done outreach or link building for any of the sites? Can you tell us your strategy around that? Yeah, so I have reached out to some some um, companies within the niche. Um, I haven't done any since we spoke, but they do seem they're not they're not um, blogs. They're they're just companies, so they don't all have um, blogs on their sites, but they do have social media. So they'll repost on social media um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so I do get some visits from that, but um, as far as building backlinks from that i'm not sure i'm not sure how how well that's going to go unless they have if they don't have blogs sure and i think you know when we talked before i probably said ah it's great for outreach in general and you may be able to get some social media traffic kind of at a a, a large large scale because there are quite a few companies that are in the area uh, in that topic yeah. area so yeah i think you know, in the long run, it could pay off, even though it might not be apparent with uh, link building. So, so generally, you you haven't been doing any link building. Uh, are there a handful of links to any of the sites? Um, oh, to any of the sites? Yeah, um, yeah. The first, the um, site two and site three. They yeah, site two and site three. They have some links. They're not they're not great quality links. But um, they've got some. Okay. <laughs> I've not. I didn't. I didn't go out and find those. They they just showed up, and they're not all the those um, spammy ones. Some of them are okay, but yeah. Gotcha. And were those like natural links, or did you use a guest posting service or something like that? No, those were those were natural. Those were natural. I did. I made some um, info. Uh, what, what they called infographics. I made some infographics, and um, and I shared that on Pinterest. I have used Pinterest on two of the sites. So, so yeah, Pinterest has been, it's, it's been, it's done well. It's done well. Got it. Cool. Well, I, and I can't remember if I asked you, when did you get started um, with niche sites in general? Was it late 2000? Is that right? 2000. <laughs> yeah, 2020. Um, September, I think 2020. Yeah. Okay. September yeah, I dropped October. 20 years yeah. there. <laughs> Don't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. This is like my third interview today, so it's it's uh, it's wearing on me a little bit. Okay, it's not you, Ariel. Okay. How has the journey impacted your life so far? So you're earning about $1100 per month. We haven't hit expenses yet, but you're you're in the investment phase. And you have seen some traction. So how have these sites impacted your life so far? Um, well, I am a mother of three. So I won't, I won't say it's impacted my life in, in a great way yet because I'm spending a lot of time um, doing, doing the sites and whatnot. Um, but um, yeah, I've spent, I've spent a lot more. As you said, I'm in the investment phase. So I'm in the red, deep in the red. But um, it's good. It's good. I'm, I've never been so happy about being in the red. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is like you're, it's 
things are working, right? So there's a period of time where you're doing investment and you're spending time and capital and then you don't see any revenue coming back in, but you finally turn the corner and now you see like you're pretty soon you're going to be earning more than you're spending each month and then you'll slowly reinvest and, you know, truly reinvesting right back into the content. So that's great. Yeah. That's it. I don't, I, I, when I got into this, I knew it was going to take some time and I'd be not earning anything for a while, but I've had the most faith. Like I I know that it's going to pay off eventually. Um, I've been consistent and I keep learning. So I'm not, I'm not worried about, you know, being, being in the red. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. And what tips do you have for people that are kind of in the early phase as well, say like under one year and you're, you're really just ahead of that. So it's kind of a perfect time to ask you what advice you might give, especially if someone's maybe struggling with motivation or something. Um, be consistent. I know it's easier said than done. Um, and it does start to get easier once you see that dollar, once you earn that consistent $1 a day, that, <laughs> that it, it does start to get um, a lot easier once you do start earning. But initially, when you're not earning anything, just trust the system, trust the process, keep putting out content, keep learning, keep doing your um, keyword research. And um, for me, I read a lot. So I read a lot of um, law of attraction um, type stuff, um, growth, productivity, all of those things. So I think keeping a positive mindset it has helped me a lot because I've told myself there's no other way. I'm going to keep doing this regardless. Um, so not quitting and just being consistent. And um, when you start to see things pay off, you'll, you'll be glad that you didn't quit. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Ariel, 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 where can people follow along with your story? Um, I'm YouTubing sometimes trying to be more consistent, but I'm on YouTube. Ariel Phoenix and I've started blogging my journey um arielphoenix.com um yeah you'll probably have to put it in the description or something yep and I'll I'll put links to all all the places you just mentioned plus we'll be getting updates from you on a monthly basis both on the blog and we'll do like live interviews like this and it'll be awesome you know just following along with the growth and the trajectory you're on is great. So I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks a lot for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out this episode with Ariel. I do struggle with names, especially with names that can be pronounced in different ways. Not actually, not just names, all words. I have trouble speaking just generally. So thanks for bearing with me on that. Ariel, Ariel. It's it's really tough. It's It's harder than you think. And I'm actually trying extremely hard to do a good job. Regardless, please do check out the blog post that has a little bit more information. And what we're trying to do, what my thought was, is basically get additional information, but a simple format. Sometimes uh, case study narratives can be a little too long. It, they, they could just go on for forever. And I also don't want Ariel to waste time 
writing blog updates and spending too much time on that. I believe the format that we have, which we refined with Christy in her case study last year, that turned out pretty well. It gives the person in the case study a way to check their progress and reflect on the previous month while also planning for the next month. So it's really kind of like a little status report or something like that, but it keeps you on track and forces you to revisit what you should be working on, knowing that you're going to have to report on it and do that kind of in a formal way. So pretty helpful. And I, I think we've, like I said, distilled it down and refined it so it's not too time consuming for the person and it's also helpful and you get more information you can see the graphs you can see the expenses and kind of track things along the way and it's a lot easier to see that in graphics or tables than saying it out loud via a podcast so we'll put links for all of the updates uh, whenever we're covering it and that way you can refer back to you know whatever whatever that monthly update is and i'll leave you by plugging some of the upcoming interviews that we have going on. Number one, we have Mike from Below Average Blogger. That's coming up soon. I talked to Shauna Newman about a premium age domain case study that she is starting up. I'm also talking to Charlie, who published a 1,000 articles last year in 2021, and he hit a pretty impressive milestone of $5,000 per month. So that's like, you know, I'm giving you too much information, but that's the headline. There's also a KGR case study that has been going on for about four years. This micro niche site has been earning a few hundred dollars per month for about four years. Very little capital was invested, very little time. And I'm excited to share that story. I don't even think I have something so discreet. So I guess a great example of publishing content and just letting it sit. And it's been earning money for four years. Just simple KGR stuff and kind of a pure test. And then towards the end of the month, I've I've actually been interviewing people a lot. I interviewed a college student. He's a senior, I believe. And he basically created a, a site that didn't force him to choose a niche. So he didn't choose a niche and he was still able to earn 19,000 bucks over the course of 2021. And that's while he was a full-time college student. So he's just doing this on the side. Pretty cool story. And I have a bunch of other you know, fun updates too. But those are some of the really cool interviews coming up this month in February. And I want to put it out I want to request from the audience, if you have a success story that you want to share, please shoot me an email, feedback at Doug.show. That's how all these you know, came about anyway, just connecting and hearing stories. And I really love to hear the stories where it's kind of early on, like uh, Ariel, not the $50,000 per month. Those are interesting for you know, some, some reasons, but they're pretty much unrelatable. When you start earning so much money or your sites get so big, it's pretty much unrelatable and it's hard to connect the dots for people that are just getting started. Maybe they haven't started a site yet. Maybe they haven't grown their site very much. So if you're in those early stages, those are the those are the most helpful stories. Those are super interesting for the audience and, and for myself. 
And it's pretty fun, you know, when you look back at the case study with Christy, and then you rewind from from that point all the way back to the first interview that I did with her in January of 2019 when she earned $100 per month. And she was absolutely thrilled to earn $100 in that first, <laughs> that first time after working on her site for about four months, you know, dozens of hours of effort. I'm not sure how much she spent on it, but she was thrilled to just earn a hundred bucks. And now she's earning a full-time income from her site a few years later. So it's, it's really awesome to track along. Shoot me an email if you have something like that, if you're in those early stages and you, you, know, you wanna share your story. I'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day out there.